This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted to be joined by Sonny Edwards. We're here in lockdown. It's the first time I've been joined in lockdown by Sonny Edwards. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. This is the first day I've done any media since the start of lockdown, I think. Um, I think I had already one commitment to one Instagram page, and apart from that, I've not done a single thing. Um, I feel like I can't be able to have the same interview that everyone else was having, you know what I mean? Mm. And I feel like it's been nice for me to just be a bit more normal and not have to um, think about boxing as much. But yeah, I'm back now, and I'm ready, ready to give some more hour-and-a-half-long interviews that no one watches. <laughs> hey, well, they might watch it. They might. They might. If did you know, it probably happens, you know, when you fall asleep with YouTube on, <laughs> and then it goes for a couple of videos, and then it lands onto my one. Somebody once tweeted me and said, um, "Hi, Rob, uh, whatever." And then he said something. At the last line or two was, um, "I hope this doesn't sound weird, but my girlfriend puts your interviews on to go to sleep to." <laughs> that's 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 a compliment. That you got a soothing voice, Barry mm. uh, Manilow. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So anyway, what have you been up to? I'm going to try and um, try and you know stay away from the mundane lockdown questions. But it is the first time I've spoken to you. So what have you been doing? For about six weeks, I was more of a full time dad. You know, I was spending half of the week at least with my son, um, which I don't have the luxury of doing during camp. You know, I see him about once, twice a week. Um, so yeah, that that was a lot of my chunk of time, which was great. I built a bond, you know, at this stage in his life that I might have missed out on doing as much if I was in a fight camp. Um, and then, yeah, started uh, doing a couple of sessions here and there. And when they started saying you could sort of, you know, meet up one-to-one and do sessions, done some, started doing some sessions in the gym. And now, obviously, they've announced, what was it, yesterday, the elite, elite athletes can start going back, what is it, from Monday? I'm not too sure whatever it is, but we'll be back in the gym and then pushing on for these these summer dates. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a, a crazy one we're doing. You know, behind the closed doors, boxing in summer. I mean, summer's like typically like the bit of the off season in British boxing, but you know we've had a very long off season. So I think me and those will just all be ready and uh, as ready as best we can in it, but. Everyone's under the same, you know, circumstances. Some of the luxury, you know, of being more, more private and secluded than others. Like, I get that, but, you know, we're all in the same boat. There's going to be obstacles that we've all got to overcome. Have you missed it? Missed what? Boxing, training, going outside? Um, boxing and training, absolutely missed it, but not at the time, if that makes sense. It's been nice to be able to recharge my batteries, like, I had that busy period that I've talked about, um, a very busy period. Then the hand injuries. So I've had a very good rest, as well as a couple of months sort of feeling my new hands out, if that makes sense. You know, starting to believe in my hands' abilities to do what they're supposed to do, and they've and they, and they got there now, do you know what I mean? So um, it's, been, it's been great for me, really, because if I fought on the 2nd of May, you know, in my... I feel, I feel like I'd have been ready but it might have been pushing it back a little bit too soon do you know what I mean so this could be a big big blessing in disguise but um, definitely miss it all and you know being able to do some normal things and just being able to go see people I mean I know it's been eased a little bit now um, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's not nice for anyone, is it? And also, now it's affecting people near me and around me. We don't like seeing that. Do you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I'm, I've I've appreciated the sort of time to recharge. But I'm really motivated, really raring to go. Like um, the way I've sort of hit the ground running, you know, these last few weeks back in training is it's testament to that. When I always keep a good sort of bottom level fitness like I, t- I tend to always just keep like a good natural fitness I think a lot of people would um, vouch for that if they see me in a gym I can come back from long long layoffs and be doing like 10-12 rounds and jumping in sparring do you know what I mean like I, I, I do that naturally but um, I, feel, I feel like I'm in a good place already obviously my weight's a bit heavier than what it should be but now it's back into what it normally is at around this time do you know what I mean so like I was a bit heavier. <laughs> I've reached the heaviest I've ever ever reached in my life. Um, that's I think that was down to the one too many copper bugs I was enjoying in the sun when the sun was up. Um, yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice, but at the same time, ready for everything to go back to normal now. Like, like I'm sure everyone else is. Yeah, I think everybody is. Um, before we get back to normal, we're gonna obviously have our whatever. Whatever happens with the government, I'm I'm trying to pay not pay too much attention to that at the minute. But with regards to boxing, obviously it's no secret. Shows behind closed doors, shows in back gardens, shows in studios. What have you heard with regards to you coming back? Um, I was asked to go on one of the the, the, the early ones, or one of the first ones. They, they was asking mid to late July. Gave me an opponent, a good one, a good fight as well. Um, I said yes, of course. Um, asked what weight, how many rounds, all of that. There's a lot of not sure's at the moment. So, we was trying to get it for a defence one of my titles. So, but we're not sure if we can yet. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of not sure's. But, they're confident that they will be able to do. So, that's what I've heard. That's my little bit of scoop. Like, but I feel like that's not a massive secret. I feel like, obviously, that's what they're going to try and do. Um, but I said, for me personally, because I did, like I said, balloon up to a weight I've never been at before. Um, I just said, I need eight weeks from now. Like, from, this, from when they asked me, I said, from this Saturday, I need eight weeks. And that was coming up to the 28th of July. I need from there. So I said, no earlier than that. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm still waiting to hear that nothing's in, in cement now. Because until the government give us the all clear, we, like, everyone can just be potentially being busy fools. Do you know what I mean? If, if they say no, no behind closed doors boxing in this country just because they did it in America don't necessarily mean our government are going to let it even though it looks that way because they have eased for certain restrictions they are saying okay well you can go back to training and stuff so it, it does seem that way do you know what I mean with I mean obviously you're, you're the British champion there, there was the initial circular from the board about no title fights um, and domestic opponents, obviously circumventing and getting around the fact of the travel ban and quarantine and people as they come in, etc. You've been you've made no secret of the fact that you've been looking for domestic fights for a while. Those domestic fights have, have sort of eluded you. Do you think that this is the opportunity that you've been looking for to get some of those fights? Um, yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm still not hearing too much noise from anyone. Um, <laughs> even I've posted, you know, pictures of me very out of shape letting everyone know do you know what I mean and still no one sort of snapping at it but you know I, I can't I can't control that so I don't like I said I, I was offered an actual opponent that people will recognise have watched before 
Um, and, and it would be a good fight. It's a good fighter. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to give away too much because it might happen, it might not happen. Obviously, there's still a lot more things to go through yet. But, um, yeah, so I'm not worried. Like, I'm not worried. I'll get the fights that I need to get me to where I need to go at the end of the day, and it'll be nice. But no, one's, no, one, el- no one else is having that British title about beating me for it. I don't care. Like, the, the British board are going to have to come and pry it off me, <laughs> you know, you know, to get it back. Like, even if I'm a world champion, I'm still going to try and sneak defences in, if I have to, if that's what it happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving it up. Do you think that, I mean, you've kind of touched on it a little bit just there, but do you think that people are going to be in positions now where, I mean, every time I've spoken to promoters, whether it's Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren, Callis Sowland, whoever, they've all said the same thing, that this is going to now pretty much get rid of the tune-up fights or get rid of the the gimme fights, so to speak. Can you see that? And do you think that will benefit the sport? I don't fully agree entirely. I think what's going to happen is, I know they're saying, yeah, these behind-TV show, crowd shows are going to have to have four or five proper TV fights. I think what's going to happen is there'll be two, maybe three proper fights, and then they'll sneak on a few tune-up fights. You know what I mean? That's what I think is going to happen. Because there's a lot of fighters that they'll want to get out. People are going to want to watch, regardless of the opponent, like normal. So they'll they'll have to sneak them on because they're going to want to get the fights by the same. But then it's got to be of a certain level, yes. But I feel like there's enough domestically that, like, fights with relatively low risk, although better and more interesting than what they probably would have potentially wanted, still relatively low risk. You know what I mean? I think they will still get made. But... This is the best time for whoever the big dogs are or think they're the big dogs are to put their hands up and say, I want a big fight on these. Because think, right now the world's watching. And this is going to go down as history. This is a chance, like, the boxing has never really been done before, like, in this modern day. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, it's a potential for everyone watching it. If you put on the best performance out of this little lockdown series, you're, you're going to get remembered for that. Do you know what I mean? So, And whoever's, like, Whoever right now steps up for a massive fight will get even more, you know, credit and, and ratings than than if they would do normally. Do you know what I mean? While we're hovering around um, fights coming back, uh, you've been joined by a new stablemate, a promotional stablemate, having already trained with him and, of course, been his brother for however many years. Charlie has <laughs> signed with Queensbury Promotions. Um, I'm sure you knew about it beforehand. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Good move for Charlie. Um, I think so. I mean, that's what makes this world great in opinions. And I think it's been received very good and bad by people depending on their mindset. I think that's evident. And I think the world we live in, this boxing world we live in, it's like you have certain people that are, you know, matchroom fans or like matchroom haters. So they'll, they'll swing on one way. But like I've heard people tweeting stuff like, well, Charlie's never going to make as much money now as he made of Eddie. Like, <laughs> you know, they have no idea. Like, you got to remember, us boxers, we are the product. Do you know what I mean? We we have a short short shelf span. We've got to try and do the best for us at the end of the day. Like, and that is fact. And that is, like, the point blank period. And, and when you're well advised, which I think me and Charlie are up there with the best advised in the world, you know, 
we both have great management, a great advisor in Daniel Kinahan. Like we advise up there with the, the best in the world, with the most one of the most influential men in current world boxing. So there's reasons as to why people make moves in, in sport and business. And, and for me, I think Charlie's done a great, great move signing. He's got a very good deal. Um, they've showed that they value Charlie by their offer. Does that make sense? So that makes Charlie very valued, very, very loved. And, 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 and that's how you get the best out of him. That always has been. It was a massive driving force when he moved to Grant is that he was feeling like a sort of like, a bond that he, he he probably was missing elsewhere. Does that make sense? Like that just a little bit of love that sometimes fighters need. And and I know every fighter will, will, will relate to that, whether it's from a promoter, a manager, um, a trainer. Sometimes all you need is that little feel that little bit of love, and and and, and, and great things and, and positive things can happen. I think that happened with Charlie with the world title. You know, he went from being a bit, a bit flat and wrote off to winning being a world champion in, in a matter of months. Like. And I think people like forget about that. And now joining Frank, another boost. You know they're going to be, you know, investing resources into him, pushing him promotionally, um, and steering his career in the right direction, and, and and help him achieve what he wants to achieve, which is like he said, become a two-weight world champion. We've spoken about it in the past, obviously before he, um, well, he retained his title against uh, Julio Cesar Martinez. We spoke, we spoke the day before the weigh-in. Um, or the night of the weigh-in, or the night before the weigh-in, yeah. about Charlie um, and his weight cut. Now, obviously, that's something that, that came out after the fight. Um, well, uh, assuming people didn't see the weigh-in and see the state of him, but that's something that came out mm-hmm. after the fight. What would you like to see from Charlie? Would you like to see him go back in at bantamweight, superflyweight? Do you think he'll eventually settle back at superfly? I think he said that, realistically, right now, the fights he's looking to take are at bantamweight. Because he's looking to fight British, European type, international level. Because it's, it's going to be a comeback fight. So he's been out of the ring for a long time, ten months nearly. Um, so, but he still wants a, a decent, stern test. Does that make sense? He doesn't want like an absolute rollover. So we'll see him there at bantamweight, or there or thereabouts. But like he said, if he was looking, if he, if in the next couple of fights he had pushed up towards world level, that will most likely be at superfly. Because he's still ranked there, and then. That's realistically more where he, he would compete. Um, I mean, now Charlie's come I, up to this point. The, the exact figure was never mentioned, but I remember mentioning, um, you know, Charlie me, me being there, Charlie struggling for weight in the last twenty four hours. But Charlie puffing on BBC Sport yesterday, um, he said the figure. He was four and a half kilos overweight. Twenty twenty four hours, less than twenty four hours. I think about 18 hours before he had to get on the scale, four and a half kilos. And everyone that sees Charlie knows what shape he gets into. Like, his body fat gets very low anyway. Like, look, he looks in decent shape. Now he just filmed a promo. He just had nine weeks lockdown, filmed a promo with Frank Warren. And they've come out and he's got abs and he looks in shape. Do you know what I mean? So he gets down to weight properly, but he had four and a half kilos to lose. He did a sweat out, lost two and two and a bit. And he woke up, he slept dry, and then had 1.8 kilos, I think it was, to lose in the morning. And I was sat in there with him while I did it. And, like, that showed, like, that, that it, it is scary. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, I have a duty to carry the boxer. And there was a time when it was, we weren't sure whether Charlie was going to get that fight or not. 
like whether, whether, whether he was going to pull out or not because he was that bad as anyone can imagine a fighter that's already low on cutting weight having to lose four and a half kilos it's, it's, it's crazy but he did it you know he's still got you know I mean he's come out of obviously that happened but you know what I mean he's safe he's sound but yeah so when people saying oh he's dodging him by not going on the flyweight I don't think the boy could physically make it like, people don't realise what he had to do to get down to it like that would have been a good one to you know document go back behind the scenes and everything and document it not for straight release but you know for down the line because wow that was it was a, it was a crazy camp it was it was he was making weight every time you know every time the board the WBC weight inspector 18, 28 days 14 days 7 days it was like he made a weigh in every day mm. like, you know, that, like he, he would go celebrating that way and, and, and eating like as if he's just you know what I mean crazy but yeah, at because people don't realise how tall he is really for flyweight. Like, I know because he's fought Rosales and Rosales is like mm-hmm. another sort of another tall, shouldn't be that weight kind of fighter like Charlie is. But Charlie can mix it with bantamweight, super bantamweight, feathers because he has it in sparring and, and in the ring and, and he will continue to do so. Uh, you mentioned something there about there's something that I want to touch on and ironically I'm, I'm due to catch up with Mauricio Suleiman this weekend. Um, you mentioned the WBC's weight management program that they introduced not too long ago. I actually spoke to George Groves about about these types of these types of weight management programs where you're forced to weigh in thirty days out, then you're forced to weigh in seven days out, etc. Do you think that helps a fighter? George Groves told me that basically what you've just said about Charlie, he had to make weight every single time. He had to dry out and sweat out and make weight three times as opposed to just once. Do you think he can do yeah. more harm than good? I mean, I've had some, you know, board check weights. I have. Um, so I can't really, really speak to my experience. But I don't really struggle all too tough for weight. I mean, I know I do the last couple of kilos, like, just dry out. That's why I look like I do on the scales. But, um, I understand why, though. I understand why. Because you always hear of every gym up and down the country, all across the world, has got a story of someone losing a ridiculous amount of weight in a short amount of time. You know, if you go around every gym and ask that, every gym's got that story. Every trainer's got that story. Every fighter's got that story. So they they've, they're trying to do something to combat that. Whether or not that is the right thing or not, I have no idea. I mean. I know as a fighter that it is something you have to do and it is a ball ache for us fighters and fighters probably would rather not jump on the scales more time. I think every single less time a fighter needs to jump on the scales is a positive for that, for that fighter, do you know what I mean? Even the ones that make weight comfortably, it just is. Um, but at the same time, knowing that they, they can't, I don't know, knowing that they can't crash it too much if they're getting looked at. But I feel like the one thing you've really got to question is how reliable are these weights? This is my biggest issue with it. Yeah, the British board, I think, are very professional and, and and one of the best in the in the world of boxing, from what I've seen. Yeah. So, you know, we get our inspector comes, they check your weight, it's all fine, good to go. But when you have them, like you have the Mexican file, um, was it? Is it Lewis Neary? No, which one? Who boxed? Um... No, who, who? No, who was it that fought? No, he yep. fought Carl Frampton. Oh no, he was meant to fight Carl Frampton, and then Gutierrez. Is it like Gutierrez. Hmm. 
that, he, that's the one I'm thinking. He blew of. the weight by like eight pounds or yeah, something, wasn't it? Thirty days out he was he was like less and then fourteen days so obviously but whoever was checking them scales and writing that down hasn't actually checked his weight or if they have, have just wrote down whatever he's wanted them to write down. Like obviously, can no one else see that that can't just be me and it like that? Like surely that's what people are thinking, like like, so, who knows? I know my one's always kosher. Whoever comes and does mine, on top of the board, always underweight. There we go. But, like, you don't know that that's happening everywhere. You don't know that. Everyone. So, really, it becomes of like a just another unfair advantage. You've got one fighter that is getting on the weight and getting down to make allowance. And then another fighter's uncle, the, the board inspector of a, a country in Peru, and it goes over and goes, oh, yeah, he's all right. Do you know what I mean? So, it's like, it's, 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 it's for me that that's the main thing I don't get but I don't have any answers as to I don't have any answers as to how they'd make it safer apart from maybe weigh-in hydration tests maybe I don't know when you get on the scales before you drink you have to do a hydration test if you're not a certain amount you can't fight do you know what I mean and then every fight would stay that bit hydrated because they knew do you know what I mean they wouldn't so maybe something like that I don't know but it's a minefield anyway whatever they're going to do it's, it's, it's crazy Without naming any names of gyms, trainers, and fighters, what's the ghost story that you could tell me about weight making? I can tell my own. Tell your own if you want. Um, I lost, I went from, on Monday night after a boxing session, this is my first year with Grant Smith, by the way, my first year, I went from 57.8 kilograms after training to 49 kilos in 10 days. That's nine kilos for the for the mathematicians. What happened was, <laughs> funny, it's a story about my mum actually. This is when my mum first got ill. So I was training, first year of Grant, hadn't had a fight yet. I'd only joined him in uh, September, October. The ABAs was in April. The plan was train with him, try and learn as much as possible, adapt rather than have a crack at the ABAs. Right? My first year as a senior, that was the plan. Um, the senior ABAs started was meant to start in March. Um, first week of February, I was at home with my mum, because I was at uni at the time in Sheffield. I was at home spending family and my girlfriend spending the weekend. And then um, my mum dropped me to the station so I'd go train back up to Sheffield. And then um, that's when she felt ill. She went to the hospital on a Tuesday. From, from being able to, well enough to do that, on Tuesday she was rushing to hospital, slipping into a coma. And then since then, it's been all, all crazy. But for three weeks, we was at the hospital all day, all night, just by her bedside, in the waiting areas, in McDonald's, because it was the only thing that was open nearby after a certain time. Um, we was just there, do you know what I mean? Coming home to sleep, like, or sleeping in the car, we was just there. Because we thought we were saying bye to our mum, do you understand? Um, I think it was two and a half weeks that went on for. Grant called me, obviously, just checking in, and he went, um, I'm going to pull you out these ABAs. And I went, what do you mean? Because I thought I still went about six weeks, maybe five now at this time. And I knew it was going to be, do you know what I mean? I knew it was coming up, but I was sort of avoiding it because of all the family trauma. And he's called me and goes, oh, the Yorkshire first round's been moved forward two weeks because they've got too many entries in, you know, certain weights. So it's like they need more weekends to be able to do it. So I was like, so how, how long have I got to wait? This was on a Sunday night. He called me. I was in London. Um, and then... 
he was like, it's next Thursday, so that's a week and, what, four days. Um, I was like, I'll be in the gym tomorrow. Went all the way down, trained. Got there at night, went straight to the gym, trained in the sweatsuit, jumped off 57.8. I had nine kilos to lose. Nine kilos. Thank the Lord, yeah. That first day I weighed in. So I was doing two, three sessions a day, drinking a litre and a half of water with loads of lemon, loads of lime in, having one meal a day and drinking one of those lemon and lime waters in the morning and one of them at night and maybe having like a smoothie, like a small one. Like that I made myself. And that's all I did for, for 10 days. And I was running like eight, 10 miles in sweatsuits after having already trained in a sweatsuit in a hot gym. Like I killed myself. Killed, killed, killed myself. Like Grant, the whole way through. Remember, this was his first season with me as well. This was his first season with me. He begged me to pull him out. Failed to pull me out. Does that make sense? He asked me about four or five times. I don't think this is a good idea. Because he's experienced something similar with one of his lads. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's the only thing that got me, like, the only reason why he let me fight is because I said, Grant, like, I promised my mum, you know, when I was down there, that I'm not just going to, like, do you know what I mean, just give up and just mope around and say, so I'll try next year. I was like, I'm going to give it a go, even if I get beat. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to get it. And the first one we get them the scouts. I didn't have to box from then until the next weekend. So, and it's actually funny. This time was when Charlie boxed. Charlie boxed on the Kel Brook card in Sheffield, I think it was. And Rosales boxed Cal Yaffa. Oh, yeah. That's when this was, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then, yeah, so that, but when I went to the, the weigh-in, my whole tongue was white. When I was standing up, because I had nothing in my body, I was so lightheaded, I was nearly fainting. It was terrible. And then I, I boxed a week and a half later. I boxed like a kid that was low level. I mean, it was like a novice fighter. At this time, I'm a five-time national champion. I beat him every round. Had points taken off, but I was weak as a kid. Lucky for me, I had another month until, you know, the ABA's when it goes quarter, semis, finals over a weekend. And that's when I boxed. Um, Galau Yafai and Jeremy Fosso and beat them. So, if I pulled out when when it was all stacked against me, you know, when I was that heavy. Because obviously, I've been in boxing however many years at this point. I knew how hard it's going to be down to get this weight. And like, the, what I was going to have to go through. And how short time I had to do it. And everything was pointing at me to not do that. But then, I went and won an ABA title in my first year. That set me up, really, for now as a pro. Set me up for my amateur career back then. It got me on GB. got me starting earning money. But that was a big step for me, do you know what I mean? And, even more high insight, the next year I lost. So if I waited until next year, <laughs> I might have waited all that time and then lost in the final. And never have won an ABA, do you know what I mean? So, but everyone's got them stories. But all I know is, if they come to check my weight seven days out, <laughs> I was nowhere near. <laughs> That's all I know. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it helps or not. But like I said, Charlie for that camp was celebrating as if he just just weighed in, as if he just won a fight. Like he was buzzing when he made them weight. Buzzing. Like yeah. I said, he'd, he'd already decided to not fight a flower ever again four weeks before that fight. But he knew. I mean, well, thanks for sharing that. That's very. I, I hope people found that as interesting as I did. Um, you've only yeah, got... sorry. That, that that's a mad story that I've just never. I don't think I've ever told that really. I've never thought to tell it. You know what I mean, not well, on like an interview. Well, I'm glad you did. 
Um, before I let you go, I want to grab your opinion on a few things that are not related to you. Um, well, not related, kind of related. Uh, a few fights that have been swirling around. Um, the first question, the first fight you'll probably enjoy talking about the most, and arguably people enjoy listening about it the least. Kosei Tanaka versus Kazuto Aoka has been spoken about as a potential, well, not a unification, because he's moving up in weight. Yeah. It's the who's the man of Japan, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Talk to people about who's that fight, because that's a brilliant fight. No, it's one I'm struggling to call because I I rate Tanaka, right? You see me, because I fight at flight and super flight. In my head, them two weights kind of just get meshed together. Do, do you know what I mean? Because I feel like them fighters do seem to go up and down. But Tanaka, for me, he's only there was the eight champions um, for over super flight and flight. Tanaka was me, one of the ones that stood out. Like, as one of the bigger, bigger threats at Fly and Superfly. Just because he's a bit of an unknown quantity, but he hasn't put a foot wrong. So it's like, could he be that kind of a new way? Because he's doing a very good job at, <laughs> at the moment, do you know what I mean? Um, but Ioko, he's a four-weight world champion now. Yeah. Was it... He beat, he beat Aston Palikta to get the super yeah to get the super fly. But right. you know what? See, that's one thing. Yeah, Aston Palikta is not that great of a win. He, he can just punch. Because you see, Aston Palikta, I was begging for that fight for that title, begging for it. Because you know, Junior Granada, so I beat he beat Palikta. Like, um, Granada is a good, strong, hard international fighter, but a world level fighter is beaten every single day. Like, not even a world fighter. Like, you know what I mean? Like a good international level fighter being. So um yeah, I don't know really that 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 that, that doesn't worry, but obviously Ioka's done a lot, so I wanna go have Tanaka just being for like that little bit like stepping up I think it's gonna do him good. It's gonna be a great fight. Yeah, it is interesting. You mentioned about obviously Tanaka every, everything that he's um not Tanaka, sorry, Ioka, everything that Ioka's achieved in the sport at the minute. You never know. Tanaka coming he's up. Very overlooked. He's an yeah, very he's, he's, a, he's an overlooked pound for pound guy, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 of course. Because he's like, he always like wins, doesn't he? And it's like, he's winning, he's winning in a, in, in a good enough standard, but like, not like absolutely blowing everyone's heads off. Mm. And it's who he's winning against. It's like, he needs someone to like really staple his career together, doesn't he? That it's like he's got everything there, but he needs a win against I don't know, like an Ankash Joe and or mm. or if he I don't know where he's planning to go, you know. But like someone like that, I think he'd be or, too or small for Bantamweight or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I think he'd be too small for Bantamweight. Yeah, so it was really like Roman Gonzalez would be a great fight for him. Mm. If him with if he gets Tanaka with him stepping up. And Gazala's still got that's that's who he should check, so I think. But it's still a dangerous hell of a dangerous fight. So as he showed against Carrie Affleck. That's the um the little hipster boxing boxing question out of the way. Let's talk about the heavyweights now from one scale to the other. Joshua Fury. Seems like it's always it's either Joshua Wilder that we're talking about or it's Joshua Fury now. Um what do you make of all of the talk going back and forth? Because obviously the, the, the what I want to talk to you about is is because you do have a good understanding of the, of the behind the scenes and you elocute it very well, the the likelihood of of these big super fights happening this year with no crowds, 
Joshua Fury obviously being one of them, or not even Joshua Fury, but Joshua Pulev, Wilder Fury free. Explain to people who maybe don't understand for some reason why those fights are unlikely to happen with no crowds. Well, I mean, one, the crowd is such a huge draw. That's one thing. Um, but then there's a lot more, like, deeper, smaller things that cause it such a massive problem as well. It's like, if you tried doing AJ, one of the most famous person on this planet right now, if you're trying to do everything behind closed doors, in a location where people can kind of just turn up to, like, followed by Tyson Fury, another one of the most famous people on the earth right now. It's like, when everyone knows where it's going to be done, unless it's on like some remote island somewhere. Like, that, for me, just seems like a logistical nightmare because, you know, people turn up anywhere. Like, think how many people you see just waiting around in hotels when the fight, when the fight, and, and I'm talking, that's usually like the small fight weeks you see those people right here in, do you know what I mean? They just find a way. Like, and then you've got their teams, like, AJ's got 30 people on his own orange. That's, that's all the 50 done on, on AJ's team. And I know Tyson Fury rolls my band as well. Which, as you do, when you, when you can, you do. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think it's just logistically impossible. And then that's not even before finances start coming into it. Like, people want to pay £200 million to have it in Saudi Arabia, etc. Because of what it brings as well. Do you know what I mean? It brings the world of boxing's eyes into one place, and then and people are flying from across the world to this one place. They want that, do you know what I mean? They want them to see that they want all these rich people that can afford a, a, a really expensive ticket to sit ringside AJ versus thing that come from America and where everywhere else. Oh wow, this is look at this country. Look, do you know what I mean? They want to. It's like showing. It's like a tourist trap type kind of thing. That's why they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? And because they can afford it, they can afford to offer site offer like. When was that really been a thing? Like that, pretty much every super fight is like, okay, what what country is willing to do the highest super site offer? Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's, the 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 issue is is that it's always been well, it's not the issue. The thing has been is always is assumed that Vegas would take them because the Vegas casinos and Vegas hotels will pay the big site fees because you bring in yeah. the gambling. But now it seems. Of recent years, of course, obviously we've seen Joshua Ruiz, we've seen the UFC, and we've seen various other organisations go out there. But now the it Middle East and China, yeah, it seem to be essentially trumping Vegas for site fees. What I think it is, and um, um, I've had this conversation with my, you know, my advisor um, Daniel Kinahan. It's like it's like boxing is being glo- like is that the globalisation of boxing? That's what's, that's what's happening right now. And people with reaches across the four corners of the world, well, not every everywhere just yet, but the ones that are leading that front, people like MTK, you know, like, who have fighters, you know, from Australia to America and everywhere in between, you know what I mean? It's like, um, and, and constantly expanding and looking to, to further that reach. It's like, the world with technology and the way we're moving is becoming a smaller place. So, there's potential like link-ups and match-ups and, and fight sites that like every country that's got the money to do it is going to start wanting. Like you've seen African countries are putting their hand up and they're trying to do the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think, I think when they're trying to like maybe stage a fight with AJ in Nigeria, I remember that was talked about at some point. Maybe another African country was talked about. But it's because right now it's like, 
in simple terms, it's like when the circus comes to town, everyone's excited. So it's like, if the biggest fight in the world of boxing lands somewhere, it's going to bring a lot of people and a lot of interest, a lot of entertainment. And then if these countries can start making it like, like Vegas is a traditional boxing location to box, you know, Madison Square Garden is the same. Like, one of these countries want to try and, you know, be that the next step in the Middle East, and that's, that's what's working on now. And I feel like another reason why there's no chance of Fury versus AJ happening in, in the middle of, like, or anywhere, apart from with, with fans and, and crowds, is because, like you said, it brings, like, the gambling to Vegas, etc. It brings, it brings the tourists, it brings the economy. But, like, so, I just don't think, I can't, I can't see it. No, no chance. I think a lot of heavyweight fights are going to be hard to make, though, because they're expensive. Any heavyweight, like, he- you can get a very good, like, British, all British level, middleweight, light heavyweight, any weight <laughs> um, fight. You know, and the point will have to pad, I don't know whatever person these are on, but, like, I mean, a, a reasonable purse. But as soon as you get to heavyweights, any heavyweight that's been in the ring with a big fighter wants a ridiculous purse. You know what I mean? It's like, but them heavyweight fights are going to be very hard to make. Especially with no no gain because they're losing out on so much money to pay the fighters. Okay, well you've got BT in four minutes, so this is probably going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. the longest answered question that you're going to give. So you've got three minutes to answer it. One thing that I forgot to ask you about when we were talking about behind the scenes boxing is drug testing. Now I spoke to somebody fairly recently. He's a prominent trainer, manager of fighters. Um, he said to me that fighters are essentially going to have to go into fights with no drug testing. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like we kind of do anyway, because I definitely think there's probably been at least one time I've been in the ring with a drugs cheat that's not been caught anyway. Like, I feel like odds just suggest that, whether it's been sparring or, or, or fight. Do you know what I mean? But um, I feel like I know I'm clean. You know, I don't need no performance and drugs to move how I move and to do what I do, so... It doesn't affect me. If people want to cheat, you can cheat because, nah, do you know what? No one juiced up will beat me anyway. So, like, my dream will be to fight someone, beat them, and then them come out of a drug test. That'll be like the, the, the ultimate goal. Like, so, so I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care, but I don't pay too much, too much mind to them. Like, I see the advantage, but there's one thing that drugs can't ever do, and that's train your brain. And that's where I beat the fighters that I beat. I train them, I beat them in my brain and, and, and my IQ and my mindset, not my physical attributes because really my physical attributes are some of the poorer ones on the on the boxing scene I'm not typically the fastest I'm not typically the strongest I'm not typically the, the anything I'm a very mediocre person but it's what's in between these two is I think that's probably because of being small you know you have to start using your brain because physically you're inferior to people bigger than you early on so yeah that's alright they want to cheat and, and they can't they can't cheat the brain so I don't need to worry about that. Well, that's a lot more of a succinct answer than I was expecting from you there, but I appreciate it. So you've got um, about 30 seconds left. Is there anything that you would like to share before I let you go and speak to BT? Um, no, not really. Obviously, just stay at home, keep safe, follow the guidelines, even though they change a lot and they don't make it clear like when they're changing or how they've changed. But stay at the guidelines, stay at home, stay safe. You know, we're all in the same boat. Um, Someone's boats are better than others. But, you know, we'll, the sun's out and we're about to get to the end of this and then we'll be good to go. 
Okay, all right. Well, it's always nice catching up with you, Sonny. Thanks very much for speaking oh, to Boxing for, Social. Thanks for giving me your time. No problem. And I will, if I don't see you before, um, I will see you probably in in some, I don't know, I don't know. National but, capacity. Yeah, well. Yeah, you ain't going to be allowed to show it for a long time. I don't, you. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I don't know whether or not media are going to have to quarantine or what. I don't know. But I'll do as I'm told. I'm fine. Or they, why don't they all put you lot like around the ring and like hamster balls? And you can like <laughs> run around. Now just to add to the aesthetic, and then you could be like, I'm gonna get pictures and interviews from a hamster hamster balls like. I, 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 I mean, it's I, worth a think anyway. I know people who have done a lot worse to get interviews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll leave it there. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. Mate. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Annie.